0: Welcome to the Mind Man Podcast where we don't focus on changing the world rather the focus is on changing the people of the world because it is the people that create what we call our world and without changing the minds of the people there is no hope in changing our world we are in the midst of a conscious revolution and it is my intention to raise the collective consciousness And I'm your host, Adrian Moreno. And I thank you in joining me on creating a new world. One mind at a time. Oh, man. Oh, man. Do I have a treat for you guys today? Oh, do I have a treat for you guys today? I have I've I had such a wonderful conversation with this with this wonderful human being and um I can't wait to go ahead and share with y'all guys the insights that were shared in this conversation. Now, I just, you know, this interview today I have for you Daniel Levin. I believe his name is Levin or Levin. Daniel Levin. Now, Daniel, you know, it's, it's crazy. His story not, is not typical because he walked away from an opportunity to run a billion-dollar business. Let me, just, let, me just, let me just say that again. He walked away from the opportunity of running a billion-dollar business to hitchhike around the world to find happiness and inner peace. He studied. Now, before I move on with this bio, let me just say, that is amazing. I mean, how many of us even get the opportunity to run a billion dollars? I mean, you can create your opportunity, of course. But he was given the opportunity to run a billion-dollar business. And he walked away from it to find inner peace. Like, that right there just... Hats off to you, Danny. You are, man, one heck of an inspiration, brother. Now, he studied in a a seminary five years and left one day before becoming a rabbi. And he lived as a monk in a monastery for 10 years. As director of business development, he grew Hay House Publishing from $3 million a year in sales to $100 million a year in revenue. Levin is a rare blend of businessman, as you can see, and a mystic who sees what others do not see. It has been his one quality more than any other that has thrown him into some of the most exclusive boardrooms to help companies innovate new ways and finding solutions when their old ways just stop working. He is also the author of The Mosaic, a life-changing let me let me just put an exaggeration on that guys a life-changing fable that invites people to listen to those others who don't who do not hear and to see the situations in their life differently now if you want to learn more about Daniel Levin you can go ahead and you can go to www.DanielBruceLevin.com. Com. that's danielbrucelevin.com don't worry about learning how to spell it all of that is in the show notes for you just sit back relax and listen means the absolute world to me and the fact that i get to have you here on this podcast it absolutely warms my heart so how are you doing today brother
1: I am I am great and even better by the kind words that you say to me. Thank you, my friend. Awesome, so so nice of you.
0: Beautiful, awesome, awesome, man. Well, let's go ahead and let's dive in, man. So, I like to always start these conversations off, and guys, I usually have questions lined up for my guests and all of that, but with this one, it was just you know just the 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 energy here. I have a few questions, but it's more about I really want to get to know you know Daniel a bit more, so. Daniel, like, what is your story? What, like, what is it that you do? But,
1: like, what is the story behind that? Perfect. Um, if we had about seventeen years, I'd be able to tell it to you. <laughs> but let's try. Let's try and cut to the chase. I think the biggest thing that impacted my life, Adrian, over the course of my life, sixty-five years old already, happened when I was thirteen years old, and my dad passed with overnight. He was. I was away at camp and my dad passed away and I never got to see him again. And I told him that before I went to camp, he was going on a trip. Uh, he was going away to on a sales trip and I, and he came in to say goodnight to me. And he said, came out, they said, I'll see you at visitor parent visitors day. I'm leaving early tomorrow morning. Don't worry about it uh, I'm, I'll say goodbye. I'm going to say goodnight to you. I'm going to say goodbye to you. I'll say see you soon. I said, come on, dad, when are you leaving? What are you talking about? He said, I'm leaving at four o'clock in the morning. I said, four o'clock in the morning, I'll wake up and I'll see you before you go. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to give you a big hug. you're not going to, I don't want to let you go be, and I'm not going to see you for three weeks or four weeks before that, because I'll get up and see you. Well, four o'clock came and went and I would fell and I was still asleep. And then I went away to camp and I learned my dad had passed away. And so rather Um, than believe in a random world where my hero was taken from me for seemingly no reason, what I did is I constructed a story, which is what I've done over and over and over again in my life. And maybe some of your listeners have done the same thing. I created a story where I said to myself, if I would have woken up at four o'clock to see my dad go, before he left and gave gave him a hug and a kiss, he would not have passed away four weeks later making love to my mom from a heart attack. The two incidences had nothing to do with each other. But for me, what they did is they took a random world where my hero, the person that I loved the most, the person that I believed in the most, Mm -hmm. how could he be taken from me for seemingly no reason? And so rather than have that be the world, a random world where bad things just happen without, without understanding it, I created a world where it was a cause and effect world, where it was because I did something wrong, it didn't, this happened. And it's been pretty much the way I've lived my life most of my life, making sense out of unsensible things by being the cause of why that happened rather than just allowing myself to live in this beautifully random world. And then two years later on the same day, my mom passed away and that day was July 4th. So for me, I made up another story. And the story that I made up was both my parents passed away on July 4th so that they could teach me independence. The message they wanted to give me was that I needed to be independent in my life. I needed to be able to stand up for myself. I needed to be able to learn how to do things. But Adrian, here's the amazing thing about stories. Sometimes they're just not true. Many times they're just not true. In both of these cases, these stories were both not true. My parents weren't born on Independence Day. They died on Independence Day. And it was only about five years ago or three years ago when I was talking to someone about the mosaic and talking to someone about this book that I had this flash that I said, oh, my God. They didn't come to teach me independence They would have been born on Independence Day if that was the lesson they wanted to give me. That Independence means life would would have been that they were born on that day. They died on Independence Day. What they were trying to tell me is when you're independent, that's the death of your life. Life is made up of all these incredible connections that we make. And through the connections that we have, amazing things can happen. So for almost 50 years, I had gotten the wrong lesson from the day that they died. Wow. So what made has made up my life is the fact that I have this ability to see things differently than most people. That's why I, it always isolated me as a kid because I, was, I always saw different things than my friends saw. It was only later as corporations started to invite me to come into their boardrooms to speak with them or companies started to have me come in to give different perspectives to them that I realized what a gift this was because I could see things that they didn't see. And that was, that was suddenly called innovation. When we're able Mm. to see something new, that's an innovative process. And I had this ability through just nothing but what I saw to innovate. And then I also realized that everybody else in the world, if I saw the world differently than everybody else, then they had that same ability to help me innovate by letting me see what they saw. And so this incredible process came of both of us sharing with each other worlds that we didn't see and creating this new dynamic. There was actually an innovative process that helped propel companies forward, that helped propel families into new understandings, that helped propel government offices into getting an idea of how to work together rather than apart. Wow. I could go on forever, but I how think do you, you get the idea let
0: me let me well let me ask you that like what can you elaborate on a bit like what what do you mean like you see things that other people don't and like you know and you can yeah, so what does that mean so uh,
1: let, let me tell you a story because I'm a storyteller yes,
0: yes, you are okay. <laughs> yes, you are a dang good one too.
1: thank you so much when I was a kid, my best friend. I played with him all the time. Uh, we he was he was so close to me. I did everything with him, and he did everything with me, and we loved being together. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day after we had been together maybe a month or two, um, saying, "Why don't you come back to my house?" and I want to introduce you to my parents. And he said, "Great." And we came back to my house, and I said, "Mom, mom, you know I can't wait to introduce you to my this is my closest friend," and. She looked at me and she said, "Danny, what are you talking about? There's nobody here." I said, "I'm sorry. What? What are you, you don't you don't see this guy right here?" And she said, "Danny, you can't talk about this. People will think you're crazy. There is nobody there. And as sure as I'm seeing you right now, Adrian, you might be a figment of my imagination. This little guy that I played with, I still he still lives in me. I call him the little man in my head." He still lives in me, and I could see him, and I play, and I would go to him for advice. I would go to him to listen. And, and, but my mom put the fear of being crazy in my head, so I stopped for, for many years seeing him. But because, let me make it more normal. That's, that's like weirdo stuff, okay? But make, let me make it more normal. The fact that my parents passed away when I was, my dad passed away when I was 13 and my mom when I was 15. None of my friends had had that happen to them. All of them had, it was in the older days where families were families, where divorce wasn't as common as it is now. They both had moms and dads. And so the world that they could relate to me, they were always kind to me and loving and generous and and sweet. And families were always so good to me because they just liked me for some reason. Mm -hmm. But they never could relate to what I was going through. My pain was a pain that they had no idea what it was. And they couldn't feel it. And as much as I tried to talk to them about it, as much as they tried to commiserate with me, as much as they tried to understand, they had no idea what it was like to not have my dad and how much that hurt me. And so it made me see a world that was different than the world they saw. I grew up up wanting to understand things that they couldn't even think about. Like in the days when my friends were into girls and parties and getting drunk, I was into understanding why would it happen that my hero was suddenly taken from me? Why would it happen that in the midst of, of, of just a very innocent life, my, my mom and dad would be taken. And why would the worst moment of my life turn into an opportunity that was probably the best moment in most people's lives? I moved in with my mother's sister in a in I was in the east coast they were in the midwest and my mother's sister had married a man who became a household name and he looked at me and he said Danny I'm going to watch you because I don't have sons I have three daughters and it's in that that was in the time where people didn't give their business over to their daughters thank god that's changed but in those days that didn't happen and he watched me for about a month and a half and he said I think I I think I see in you potential that if I work with you you can go from where you are. I'll take you from where you are now to in 10 or 15 years running my company. And it was a billion dollar company. Wow. So opportunities came to me that other people wouldn't normally have, that I wouldn't normally have. Things happened to me that were that were amazing. And in each place, what I realized in writing my book, The Mosaic, the reason why I couldn't take them is just like I say in The Mosaic when most parents passed away. He asked the adults where they are. And the adults tell him they're in a place called heaven. So just like Mo in the book sets out in search of that place called heaven. That's what I did. And though running a billion dollars, a billion dollar company would have been heaven on earth. It wasn't the heaven I was looking for. And so I had to turn my back on it and walk away. Wow. And that
0: so, so that leads me to, to one of my questions was like, yeah, like you had a billion dollar opportunity. Like, you know, you were that, I mean, I can't, I mean, at least me myself, I can't think of many people that I know who would turn something down like that. And yeah. I know that, I know that, you know, doing that, you know, especially because you're doing what you feel is right for you and doing what you feel is right for you is not always the easiest thing. A lot of the times it takes, it's very hard to do what's right specifically for you. So I want to know, like, I know it takes, I, well, what was the, what was the, like the motivating factor to step down from such a promising career? And also what does listening to ourselves have to do with being courageous like that and yeah. taking those big steps? Cause I feel like you have to be willing to listen to yourself rather than
1: other people. So in some ways, you answered your own question, right? For the first question, you answered by the idea of what does it mean to listen to yourself. So much of the time now, I look back on the world that I live in. Can I tell you another story? Oh, please, please. Okay. (laughs) So, So I remember that maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I was in New York City and I was staying at a hotel called the Mandarin Oriental, beautiful hotel, right on right on overlooking Central Park. Their lobby Mm. is on the 34th floor and the lobby has glass windows all all overlooking this beautiful, beautiful Central Park and just a gorgeous hotel. Uh, And I was friends with the people there who who ran the spa. And so they would get me great rates. And every time I was in New York, I would stay there. Well, I was coming home from dinner one night and I came up to the, I came up in the elevator to the 34th, 34th floor. Mm-hmm. And as the door opened and I was walking out, I saw somebody out of the corner of my eye that I had, that I, I said, Oh my God, this is my friend. This is a guy that I knew 20 years ago that I haven't seen in 20 years. And he walked by, he didn't even recognize me. I, as he was walking into the elevator, I went, Neil. And he went, who, What? how would you know my name? I said, this is Danny. You don't remember? You were my best friend when I was 15. A lot of times passed. And he said, Whoa, Whoa, what are you doing? We're going out to a club right now. You want to come join us? And then I said, I don't think so, but it's really good to see you. I would love to hear catch up with you. You want to have breakfast tomorrow? He said, screw the club. I'm not going to do that. Um, I I have, I have a bottle of scotch in my room. I have cigars. Let's just sit in the lobby. It's it's like 1130 30 at night. Let's just sit. Will you sit in the lobby with me and can we just talk? We sat in the lobby from eleven to about four thirty in the morning. Wow. And and drinking good scotch, smoking good cigars, and just talk catching up with each other. And he looked at me and he said, Danny, I was really pissed at you. And I said, Neil, why? He said, because how could you walk away from this opportunity that you were given? How did you do that? Like, what did you do? He said, I've been pissed at you for probably 25 years because I wanted to play with you in that world. And you just didn't, you weren't there anymore. You just left and you left me in that world without anything. He said, I was was upset with you for, for all these years when I saw you and realized it was you as I was walking into the elevator. I finally realized all the time that I had made fun of you for finding yourself, all the time I had made fun of you for doing what you felt to do, one look that you gave me coming into the elevator made me wish that I had done what you had done for the last 25 years. Because I have more money than God. I I can buy anything, do anything. But here's my problem. I don't know one moment of inner peace. I've had five wives. I have kids with each one of them. My kids don't even, my kids disrespect me. My wives don't even, d- don't love me. And I have been searching for what that peace that you have all my life and I can't find it. And I said, my brother, we can still, we can get it right now. The search is over. You don't need to search anymore. I'm your friend. I'll sit with you. I'll work with you. I'll do whatever we need to do to bring, to bring you to that place where you can feel it. And he said, I want to do that, Danny. I really want to do that. I want to do that. We left New York, and I never heard from him again. And what I realized, Adrian, is this. Most people are scared to death to know themselves. We get so caught up in all the things of this world, and we run like a rat like a rat on a, on a little wheel, trying to find everything to make us happy, because inside we are so unhappy. We're just unfulfilled. We don't know ourselves. We don't have peace. So we run around looking for that peace, hoping that it'll be women and drugs and alcohol and parties and money and things that we can buy and the latest car and the best watch. And you know, this guy had a watch collection that, was, that would rival museums. But you can only wear one watch on your wrist at one time. Right? Facts. And so at what point does enough become enough And the more you spend to make yourself happy, the more you you, you become unhappy because you're never happy with what you have. You always want the next thing you have. And when I ask people a simple question, what are you here for? Most people tell me, I don't know. Well, Adrian, if we don't know what we're here for, any road will take us there. And so we search all these roads and run after every road that we go on thinking that that's the road that'll bring us happiness, but we don't know where we're going. If we we get in our car and put in our GPS someplace that we don't want to go to, it'll take us right there, but it won't be where we want to get to. Well, what about our human operating system? When will we have the courage to say, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is what I've come to do. And no matter what comes in my way, no matter how many offers I get, no matter what things come in front of me, if it's not what I'm here to do, I gotta walk away from it. And so I could have run a billion dollar company. I, I would have been, I would have been guided by my uncle to do it exactly the right way. Mm-hmm. But you know what would have happened? I would have ended up trying to be him rather than being myself.
0: Man. That's that's powerful because, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, even asking people what they want, they they don't they don't know, and I feel like a lot of that has to do with I don't know why I'm here, and you know, um, so what are you here for, Daniel?
1: What are what are you here for?
0: <laughs> I had to, I had to.
1: <laughs> so you know, something the beautiful thing answer to that question is it's changed over time. I thought I lived a very purposeful life. Mm -hmm. I thought the reason 20 years ago that I was here was to love God, to feel connected to myself, to have this relationship with something greater than myself. And I pretty much didn't worry about anything else. I, I was a monk for 10 years in a monastery. So I love that idea of just having a love affair with God and having this, having this relationship where nothing else in the world was more important than that. And I would wake up early in the morning and, and stay up until late at night and meditate sometimes 14, 18 hours a day just to have that love affair because it's it's like when you fall in love with a woman, all you want to do is be with a woman. Yeah. Well, that was the same love affair. When I fell in love with God, all I wanted was to be more in, in that presence. And that presence wasn't outside here, it was inside here. And I got to know myself. And I would have said, I would have said to you then, Adrian, that's what I'm here for. I think my definition is changing now over time, and partly as a result of this guy, whereas here, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> <Is that right? laughs> uh, partly a result of the mosaic. And I think what happened for me is in writing that book. So I sort of told you the story a little bit. Mo ends up losing his parents, and he asks the adults where his parents are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they told him they're in a place called heaven. So he sets out in search of the place called heaven. But the people he expects to find are the rabbis and the ministers and the priests and the shamans and the gurus and the medicine men and the aborigines elders and you know just the just the 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 spiritual people of the world that he can say tell me about heaven. But he doesn't find those people. He finds the trash man and the road worker. He finds the homeless man and the blind woman. He finds the juice man and the flower girl and the waitress and the gardener. And he wonders, why in the world am I sitting with these people? Like, what can they tell me about heaven? What will they show me? And when he realizes he's there, he says, I might as well just sit with them and listen to their stories. And in 100% of the cases, when he listens to their stories every single time, the person he ends up seeing that he's with is totally different than the person that he came up upon. The first person he saw was not at all the person that he sees now. And when he realizes over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again that what he sees isn't real, he starts to wonder, I wonder if I see anything in the world that's real. Mm. And at that moment, he looks over to the right and he sees a monk who's unzipping the sky and inviting him to come into a parallel reality where he meets the keeper of the mosaic, which is the wise one. Now that reality could be a parallel reality that exists, which I really believe in. Yeah. But it also could be the parallel reality of a perceptive of a perception shift Mm. that when we change the way we see the world, the world we see changes. And so in this world that we live in, imagine this time we're living in, there are protesters, there's race race protests going on, there's COVID-19 going on, there's elections going on, there's Democrats and Republicans that both look at exactly the same thing and see a totally different world. What if we were able to stop for a minute and say, maybe the world I see isn't the whole world. Why don't I listen to you? Why don't I see if what you see might be something that would be beneficial to me. Mm. One of the things that happened for me, can I just tell you another story? No, I mean,
0: I'm just soaking all this in. I'm loving every minute of it. So just go, brother, just go. I'm learning So, so much listening to you, so...
1: All right. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to just become like a, a talker all the time. So if he, I don't want to. You
0: know. No, no. I mean, I really, I really didn't, like I said, I really didn't even write down, like we like, like three
1: questions. So that's it. All right. Um, my daughter is the most special person I've ever, I've ever met. I love that girl more than anything in the whole world. She has taught me, I've been with some of the greatest teachers in the whole world. I've been with some of the richest people in the world, sitting into their dining room tables, sitting in their living rooms with them, talking just like you and I are talking now. They've, ta- they've told me tips of how to live life, and they've asked me for tips of how I live life. And we've sat as friends, not as students or teachers. We've sat as friends just together around the table, sharing our lives together. And it has been so beautiful and so rich and so fabulous. Adrian, I've also sat on the street corners with some of the poorest of the poor. I've sat on cardboard boxes that look like they've seen their better day. Even even, even as they sit now with people that that had no idea where their next meal was coming from or where they were going to, they didn't have anywhere to live. And the one thing that I saw from each person that I met, that I sat with was that every single one of them, no matter how much money they had, no matter how big their house or how torn their cardboard box, no matter what religion they practiced or what color their skin, no matter what border they lived behind or what nationality they claim to be. All of them wanted the same three things. They wanted to be loved and accepted. They wanted to be listened to and heard. And they wanted to be acknowledged and validated. Not one of them ever asked me to agree with them. Not one of them said, Danny, it's important. You need to agree with me. Wow. But when you look at the world, everybody's fighting for people to agree with them. And so when you asked me before, it's I have long answers to very short questions and I apologize for that. I love, when it. You ask I love me, it. When you ask me what my purpose is now, I believe my purpose is to just do what I said, to just be able to sit with somebody and love and accept them, to listen to them and know that they're heard to acknowledge and validate that what they're saying is what they're saying. And that they have a right to say that. They know that I have the same right to think what I think. And some of my friends have the most crazy beliefs you could ever imagine, but I love them. I don't care if I believe what they believe nor do they, but amongst that, the person who's taught me the most is my daughter. And my daughter just happens to be developmentally delayed. Mm. She can't have a conversation like this. She can't speak. When she speaks, people don't understand her. Mm. But somehow with me, she expects me to understand her because she wants she wants the comfort and I hold the space for her to be what she is. And she somehow just assumes that I'm going to understand everything she's saying. And most of the time I do. But sometimes I don't. And when I don't understand her, she'll raise her voice and say it louder. But Adrian, it isn't because of the, of the volume that I yeah, understand. Yeah. It's because of the clarity. She doesn't speak clear enough that I get the words. When she raises her voice and I don't understand her, then she'll throw a tantrum. And now in the middle of a restaurant or an, 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 uh, I'll take her to work with me sometimes in the middle of a workplace, she'll start screaming and tantruming and, and going crazy in the grocery store, in the in, in the, uh, at a friend's house or whatever it is, driving in the car. It doesn't matter. It just happens because she feels unheard and unlistened to. She starts the tantrum. And when she still doesn't get through, then she'll try and attack me. She'll try and grab my shirt and rip it or bite my arm or do something. And I thought I was fairly intelligent, but Adrian, this went on for about 15 years, sometimes as many as three, four, 10 times a day. Not every day, thank God. I would probably have no hair left, but every hair (laughs) I have, it's white, right? Finally, in the midst of her rage, I said to her, "Alisa, you know, I love you. You know, I adore you. You know, there's only one thing that's important to me and that's understanding what you're saying. I can't understand your words. Will you please try and speak to me without using words? Talk to me in a different way. Hmm. And from her rage, she had that smile that came across her that made my heart melt. And in perfect English, she said, I am daddy. And I said to her, pardon my language, what the F are you thinking? What do you mean you're, do you are daddy? What, how are you? How are you talking to me? And she put her hand to her head like this. And what I realized is because she couldn't speak, her ability to have telepathic communication was stronger. She was literally putting thoughts in my head, and I thought she was doing that. But I didn't trust it enough to get it. And I said, you little son of a gun, are you putting thoughts in my head? And she started laughing like you just did, but imagine the relief of her laugh that she was finally understood. Yeah, She started laughing and laughing and a contagious laugh that got me laughing and laughing and contagiously laughing. We went on for about five or ten minutes, but it felt like two years. She's never tantrumed. She's never yelled. She's never attacked. Fin-fin. Since that moment. Ever again. Wow. So that would be a great story if it ended there. But here's the interesting thing. I realized that what Elisa does, every person that I know does, they can be the CEO of a company. They can be the head of a military group. They can be the head of a government office. They can be the head of a family. When people speak and they don't get heard, they yell. When they yell and they don't get heard, they try and create havoc in a situation. They can do that with their body. They can do that with their relationships. They can do that with what's going on when they don't, when their havoc doesn't get, work then they try and destroy something they'll try and shoot people from a from a in a town square they'll try and blow up a building they'll try and destroy a company they'll try and destroy a marriage they'll try and do something because they just haven't been heard look what's happening out on the streets now in our in our country
0: that's what i was about to say
1: race relations gone because nobody's listened to the black voice for 400 years when you speak and you don't get heard, you try and say it louder. When you say it louder and you don't get heard, you create, you create marches. When those marches don't get heard, you will eventually create a revolution. That's what's coming if we don't listen. But the easiest thing in the whole world is just to say, brother, sister, hold on. Why don't you tell me what you're trying to say? And if I can't understand your words, say it to me in a way that I can. I've taken the Elisa Principle into every corporate meeting I've gone to. I've talked about it in every talk that I've given. The what? I've, I've worked. The what principle?
0: That? Can you say that one well, more I time? Call it,
1: her name is Elisa, so I call it the Elisa principle. Oh,
0: okay, I love that. Okay.
1: Okay. I've taken that principle of of speak, yell, tantrum, attack into every situation that I have in, and every company, every every government office, every family, every every startup that I work with has found the same thing happening. We don't know how to listen. So my purpose, back to the question that it takes me forever to answer. So beautifully though. My, my purpose now is just to help people learn how to listen and to listen myself. Mm. We've forgotten how to listen. And even me now, like, like, so I I looked at myself and I said, how in the world is a guy who talks? Look, we've been on for 30 minutes already. And I'm just talking, 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 talking. So how do you talk and teach somebody how to listen? Wouldn't it be better if you just listened? And I heard my inner voice say, no, what you're doing is brilliant. Because what you're doing is you're talking and you're occupying the minds of people with your stories and your words. But what you're doing is you're actually, then once your mind is occupied and not interfering with anything, you're actually able to listen to their heart and their soul. And you're actually able to communicate to them silently like your daughter and shifts things that are going on in heart and soul. So what I'd like to ask the listeners to do is not only listen to the words, but listen to the energy that's happening behind these words. And see if you feel any different. See if your heart feels lighter. See if your spirit feels mo- feels better. See if you feel more connected or less connected than you did before we started the conversation. And m- use it as your own guide. Wow.
0: That's, I mean, yeah. It's, that makes so much sense. And I feel like I'm getting so much signs to just, like... Just listen, because I was even watching. And, and if you know me, if you ask anybody who knows who I am, I hardly watch TV. I'm, re- I'm either working, reading, med- I would rather do other things than watch TV. And um, I remember I was at my dad's house and I just happened to walk by the TV and it caught my attention, whatever was playing. And so I, as I was listening to it and watching it, it showed a guy who was about to commit suicide and he was about to jump off of the bridge, and then um you know a cop just he goes he goes you know the whole time for over two hours he goes, "I didn't talk to the guy. I just sat there, I listened to him, and he got over the he got, he got over the thing, and he just said, "Thank you for listening." He goes, "Nobody's yeah. ever listened to me, and it made me realize like how much people just are dying to be listened to and i'm getting i'm like meeting you and it's it's funny because right before i met you one of my one of my mentors um you know one of my mentors very good friends he he you know said hey read this book called time to think and it's all about listening to people and i'm just like i'm just getting so many signs at this phase in my life that i need to listen and um and so i've been working on that you know like working on listening and like understanding but when you look at somebody it's not just you know like what are they saying it's like are you looking at the person what can you hear that person not just what they're saying but truly what they're feeling and um yeah and it's just beautiful to know that you know somebody like you has made such a wonderful a life but not just that like an you made such an impact by opening your ears and opening your heart to listen to people. And so that kind of leads me to the next question is, I mean, I feel like I have a good idea now after hearing you share your story a bit, but what was like the, the, what was like the, the deep inspiration behind the mosaic, the book?
1: Um, I tried to write another book, Adrian, and, what I think is incredible for me, like I, I talk to people about purpose all the time. And I, I listen to people tell me their purpose and how they search to find their purpose and how they're, they're on track to find their purpose. And, and everybody is trying so hard to do something that is so easy if they would just get out of their own way. What happened for me in the Mosaic was I was getting older. I was turning 60 years old. And I said, I just want to write something that would leave something for the world, whether anybody reads it or not. I just want to be able to tell something about myself. And I wrote a second. I wrote a different book. Okay. I wrote something called V2, which was how to live the second version of your life. Because so many people get to this age and then they, they retire from their work and they pretty much either play golf or die. And, and there's a whole new life ahead of them that I was thinking, what would the second version of your life look like? If you could start new, knowing everything that you knew from the first version of your life and just live it again, how would you live your life? Mm. And I sent it to a friend of mine and she said, Danny, these ideas are great, but this isn't your book. I said, what do you think? Did I plagiarize it? What do you mean? Like, I, I don't think I did. She said, no, no, it's not plagiarized, not at all. But you're a storyteller. Why are you writing a self-help book? You don't even believe in self-help. You don't believe it's your job to help somebody do anything. You believe it's your job. You believe it's in the story that people get what they need to get. She said, I'd like you to write a storybook. And I said, what are you talking about? You want me to write a fable? And she said, yeah, that's exactly what I want. I said, that's not the way to leave a legacy for my life. I mean, a fable is like a little kid's thing. She said, no, think about it. I fought her for about a minute and a half until I realized, hold it. Self-help books teach people what to do. Stories share ideas with people. And the story that comes out of my mouth is never the one that you hear. You hear this somewhere between what's, what my mouth says and your ears hear. It transfers over into your story. Mm. And in that transferring process of you now integrating that story into your life and making it your story, something powerful happens. And so, when I was at Hay House and I helped them grow from 3 million to a hundred million dollars a year in sales.
0: By the way, that is so amazing that you were just working with Hay House because I have so much of their books. So I told
1: my friend about that and she was like, mind blown that I was talking to you. (laughs) We were, we were a group of people that did it together, but I was the director of business development and I worked with me and the, and the, and the president of the company were, were a team that worked really closely together, Mm -hmm. guiding things. But, one of the things that happened was that i watched most of the people who came to write big names helping millions and millions of people and often they weren't writing the book they knew they were writing the book they most needed to read and it turned out the mosaic for me was the book that i most needed to read I was isol- I was a monk isolated. Like I lived in my own world. I had my own cone around me. Sure. I prayed for the world. I prayed for people, but my connection to people wasn't like, I could care less about chat. Yeah. I just wanted to be connected in a way that was through, through like a triangle up and up from, from me up to God and from God down to them or wherever, however that worked for me to write a book about, Simple, ordinary people was the weirdest thing in the whole world because I was a little bit of a snob. I only ate in certain restaurants because I wanted the vibration of the food to be good. I only hung out with certain people that I felt were refined were, were enough to have conversations that interest me. For me to write about a trash man, for me to write about a juice man, for me to write about common, ordinary people, a homeless guy, was something I would have never done. And as I was writing the book, what happened is I thought it would take me about six weeks to eight weeks to write because it's basically the story of my life. And I had, I, that's, that's easy to write. Two and a half years into it, I was pulling out my hair. I was waking up in the middle of the night saying, what in the hell is going on? Why won't this book get finished? And you were on a Zoom call now and we can see each other. Well, imagine this may be an imaginary conversation but I don't think so. Right. I think who knows. I (laughs) knows?
0: knows? I I don't know. I guess the listeners will know.
1: Okay. They'll know. But I saw the same thing happen with my characters. It was like a zoom call and each box had one of the characters in it. And I said to them, what in the heck is going on? Why won't you let the completion of this book happen? And they said to me, Danny, the words you're saying for us to say are not what we want to say. And I said, "What are you talking about? Your characters that I made up. You're my characters. I can say, I can have you say whatever I want to say." They said, "Well, that's why it's not working. You're not listening to what we want to say. If you listen to what we want to tell you to say, you will hear, and it will be done in six weeks." So I said, "Okay, let's do it." And I sat and I listened to them tell me their stories, just like Mo did in the in the mosaic. Now, when someone reads me back stories in my book, or I read my book again, I can't believe that I, that ever came through me because they were showing me what I needed to hear. What's the, what's the lesson to take out of this for everybody listening. When we realize that everything in the world communicates to us, everything is speaking to us. You don't think our bodies are speaking to us and the pain that they experience. You don't think when we're overweight like I am, my body's trying to send a message to me telling me what's going on? You don't think the environment is speaking to us through global warming and COVID-19? You don't think your business is speaking to us to you when it's when it's when it's stuck in a certain place and it can't move forward? Everything is speaking to us when we would take the opportunity to speak back with it and listen to it, the way we listen in a conversation to somebody that we're talking to that's right in front of us, everything will change. We'll hear things we never heard before. And the beauty of the mosaic to me is that it opens up the door for people to listen. Because when you see over and over again that the people that you think you know are not at all who you think they are, you start to ask yourself, what is what I think it is? is my business really what I think it is? What would it say to me if I would spend time talking to it? One more story? Please, just please. Let me, can
0: I ask you a question though? Absolutely. How do you listen to, I mean like, I feel like my business is trying to tell me something right now, like I, I truly
1: feel that way. I agree with you, because I, I, I know that about you, that's why I brought it up. Mm. Because when I hear your soul speaking, you have, a, you have something that you're that's so important for you to do, but you're so caught in the way that you see it that you're not able to hear what it's trying to say to you. We have to just relax and let go. Let go of everything that we think for a minute. And just open ourselves up and receive and listen. You would talk to it just like you're talking to me. You would say to it, If you could tell me what you want, what you're trying to say to me, what is it? And then just button up and let it speak to you. Just sit. It might take a day. It might take a minute. It might take a week. It might take a month. It might take a year. I don't know how long it will take you to get out of your own way to hear what your business is trying to say to you but your business is a part of you it wants you to grow it wants you it wants to give you even more you're doing so great in your business and it still wants to give you more this the ceiling that you think your business has it's just the next floor that you'll be standing on there like thousands that. more ceilings above you that you will stand on infinite right so when we take the opportunity to do that without trying to fix it without trying to change it without trying to help it but just to try and listen to it. The story you told me about the policeman on talking to the man on the bridge or the person on the bridge mm-hmm. is exactly what happened to me. One of the people that I met amongst all the people that I've known that touched me so deeply was a homeless guy in here in San Diego. I was walking in the street and I just felt I should go over and sit with him. And I came up, and he was so defensive. He was like, "This is my place. You can't sit here. I've got. I, this is my corner." I said, "Brother, I'm not going to take anything from you. I just want to sit with you for a little bit. I just want to talk to you a little bit." And he said, "Well, any I, like, don't try and, t- and get money." I said, "Brother, anything you get, I'll put ten times in it that you have. So don't worry. I'm, I'm going to give to you here. But I want to just talk to you. I want to hear from you. I want to know who you are and what you do, what you feel." It took him about an hour to let me in. But over the course of that hour, we started to talk to each other and hear each other. And I said to him, Corey, you sit on the street corner watching thousands of people go by you all day, all night. What would you say to them if you could say one thing? He didn't even blink for a minute. He knew the answer right as quickly as you could imagine. He said, Danny, I would ask each one of them to take 10 minutes out of the course of their life. And just go up to somebody and ask them how you're doing. Don't try and fix them. Don't try and change them. Don't try and help them. Don't try and do anything for them. Just listen to them. Listen to them when they tell you how they're doing. And I said, Corey, out of all the things that you could ask these people to do for you, why that one? Why wouldn't you ask for shelters for homeless people or food banks for foods, you know, or money to help take care of people that are poor? He said, Danny, three months ago, you wouldn't wouldn't have any idea of knowing this. You know me about an hour. Being homeless is hard. On good days, it's hard. But on bad days, people spit on you. People punch you. People kick you. People yell profanities at you. People beat you up. People steal the little bit of money that you have and dump it all over the ground. They treat you worse than you they would treat a wounded animal. He said, so one day I just was going through that, and I realized, what am I doing here? I, don't, I have no respect for my life. I'm not doing anything that's important. These people hate me. So he decided, I'm going to go around the corner to a, in, in evening time because it's a dark street there, and I'm just going to take my life. And not two minutes after he said that or thought that to himself, a man came up and put his hand on his shoulder and said, brother, brother how are you doing? And Corey told me tears started to pour from his eyes. And he looked at the man. He said, I'm not that well today, sir. I'm sorry. And the man did not just walk away. He sat down next to him. and He said, I'm here for you. Tell me anything you need to tell me. And he held them and hugged them. Corey looked at me and he said, Danny, you know, it only took about 10 minutes. I was able to tell him what I felt. And he was able to listen to me. He didn't try and change me. He didn't try and fix me. He didn't try and help me. He just listened to me. Just listen. And you know, from that moment on, I realized I can't take my life anymore because somebody took the time out of their busy day to sit with me and just listen to me. He said, that man has no idea that he saved my life that day. He has no idea. I've never seen him again. But he saved my life that day. Here's the interesting thing. I think they call it the butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. Corey has no idea that his story has been told to millions and millions of people in workshops that I do, in talks that I give, on podcasts that I'm on, on TV stations that I, I speak at, and in radio interviews that I do. I've told his story over and over and over again, and the impact of his story has touched millions of people. That touched me, man. Like, wow. Ten minutes out of the course of a lifetime is not that much to ask for us to go up to somebody and just say, how are you doing? And if everybody would do that, then every single one of us would have somebody that sits with us for 10 minutes and just listens to us. Can you imagine what that would do to our government situation? Can you imagine what that would do to politics? Wow. Can you imagine what that would do to, to uh, peace, peaceful negotiations in the world? Can you imagine if we listen to the environment in the same way we listen to the people and listen to what it would say to us? Can we imagine if each one of us asked the same question you asked of how would I listen to my business? Can you imagine how the way we do business would change? What we would do in our business would change? How we would be with our families would change? What we would do if we really hurt our kids? What teachers would do if they really heard students? What students would do if they really heard teachers? What what employers would do if they really heard the salespeople speak and the, and the shipping people speak and the janitors speak? What would happen if we just listened to the people as pieces of a mosaic that would come together to create the mosaic, which is called our life, and allowed it all to speak to us?
0: Man, that's like a whole new world. That is a whole new world. Now I understand what the, what the mosaic is like Daniel that was so freaking powerful and just everybody who's listening you need to go get the book the mosaic it is I mean you can read it in an afternoon in a week take whatever time you need but it is such an amazing book and I'm somebody who does not I've never been into stories like that like and I can say this book, I'm gonna read it over and over again. I had to give my nephew. I wasn't giving my nephew my copy, but I was like, no, never. Mind. I'm. A, I want to keep reading this book. I'm gonna to have to buy him a copy. But it's an amazing book, The Mosaic. And um, let me let me ask you, man, because there was a there's a a line in the book that so I really did I really really enjoyed the last bit where you know the wise one was telling them like, hey, like you know you did it, you you listened. And you said that listening was the, you know, it was like the, the path to connection or something, you know, something in that way. So how I love that listening connects the entire, like connects everything like that. If you pay, like when you really look at that, you see like the reality of it. You're like, wow, that it really does make sense. So connected, we are happy. Disconnected, we suffer. That was written time and time again in this book. Yeah. How does one know they're connected? And connected to what exactly?
1: Um, so for me, the mosaic has given me has taught me there are four different connections. Okay. The first connection is connection to ourselves. What happens is when we meet another person, most of the time what happens is my silo meets your silo. We don't actually, we're, we're hidden because we are hiding behind what we believe. We don't want anybody to know us because we're ashamed of who we are. We think that people, we think that we're not good enough. So we build silos around ourselves and paint them with stories that we hope people will think that looks, that's, oh, Danny's great. Look at the silo that he's created and look what he's done. But I am not what I've done. I am who I am. And when I have the strength to be able to look at my own stories and disintegrate them, to look at the uh, the ways that I hide from the world and keep it away from me, to look at the ways that I hide from myself, what I found is that I'm really hard on myself most of the time. I'm getting way better now than I used to be. Mm. But I was really hard on myself. I would try to do something, and then I would just say, oh, you're not good enough to do that. And immediately I would sabotage myself. Look at the work you do with people of getting of getting them back into shape. People say, I want to do this, I want to do this. Oh, I can't do this, I can't do this. and we And we end up fighting ourselves. So if you think about it, for those people who are watching us on video, if you think about it,
0: By the way, we still got time. We still got time. What's that? By the way, we still got time. Just letting you know.
1: Oh yeah, I was looking to see if we were running out. We're good. No, no worries. We can go over. All right. If you think about what how how we spend our lives most of the time, we end up doing this. We're hitting ourselves all the time,
0: over and over again.
1: Right, and after a while of hitting ourselves and getting hurt. We put up, we realize, hey, this is stupid. I'm going to put up a little wall to block myself from it. So we build a wall around ourselves to protect ourselves from being from our own attack, not from yours. Damn. And so my silo isn't because I'm scared of what you'll say about me. It's it's because I'm, I'm tired of beating myself up. So I put a wall up so I don't have to feel anymore. And I stop feeling. But the easiest thing to do to take the silo down is to stop hitting myself. If I stop hitting myself, then I don't have to protect myself from the hits that I'm giving myself. And so how do we do that? We do that by being kind to ourselves. So the best way we connect to self is by kindness. It's been said by every major religion, every major teacher, every major person, but we still don't get it. I have this this little band that I, that I created. Oh, yes, yes. The Be Kind to You bracelet. Be kind and it's a 21-day challenge where I ask people to try and for 21 consecutive days be kind to themselves. And when they find they're not being kind, they take it off one wrist and put it on their other wrist and start over. It took me four months to get through the first day. Wow. It took me nine months to get 21 days straight with being kind to myself. The goal isn't to do it as quickly as possible, even though that would be great. The goal is to watch the way we constantly bring ourselves down. So first we have to be kind to ourselves then we have to realize there's something bigger than ourselves. We have to to be open and connect to source. So we connect to ourselves, and then we connect to something bigger than ourselves. When we realize that we're connected to ourselves and we bring down our walls, suddenly we realize, oh, my God, there's a world out here. I'm no longer living in a three-millimeter sell-off community in my own head. I realize there's a world around here, and I go, whoa, who created this? What happened? What's my place in all this? And I start to feel the the amazing responsibility and the amazing enjoyment of being connected to something greater than myself, that I realize I'm not alone ever, Mm
0: -hmm. that I don't have to fight
1: this war by myself. There's something here that will help support me. There's a benevolent force in the world that wants me to succeed and wants me to have everything that I want to have. And when I connect to that, it makes everything so much easier, so much more beautiful. It doesn't mean that it will be simple. It, it, it's simple, it doesn't mean it'll be easy, pardon me. Because the fact that it's simple, we'll still get in our way and trip ourselves up. But but we can go to this benevolent, kind force and we can say, help me. Once we do that, then we can actually connect to our purpose. Because mm. suddenly we start to realize, what is it about now that I've now that we see this world that's here? What's my role in the world that I'm playing here? How would I do that? What would I do if I if I were if I were why was I brought here? if throughout all of time, from beginning of time till now, you realize that nobody has ever done what you were brought here to do in the way that you were brought here to do it and because this benevolent kind presence knows that you will no one will no, they will never have to create another person to do it because you're going to do it in this moment suddenly the reason why you're here, which most people say which most people say I don't know. right the reason that we're here becomes super important and finally then we can connect to each other because that's what happens when margaret mead says throughout all of history a small group of purposeful people have come together to change the world and if you look about it look at it jesus had 12 disciples the renaissance had had a few artists Great thinkers come together and create Einstein and the people that were around them. Few people, yeah. M- musicians, Bach, Beethoven, oh, very few people. Great artists, Renaissance artists, very few people. But they came in and implanted ideas that changed the world. Just a few of them together because they were they were kind to themselves, they were mm. open to the world, and 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 receptive. They, were, they knew that there was something bigger than themselves. And then when they connected, kind, generous, powerful people knowing their purpose can create a world that changes. And it doesn't mean everybody shares the same purpose. But they come together to create something that will change the world. That's what this world needs now. Bucky Fuller said, we can't change the world with the thinking of the world the way it exists right now. Oh. We have to create a new paradigm that makes the old model obsolete. Look at what's happening in our world. Everything is falling. Everything is crumbling. Everything that we thought, thought was, was so real is police systems. Who would have ever thought we were gonna try and defund police systems? Racism, sexism, big corporations where men are taking available, advantage of women. Big corporations where women are taking advantage of men. There just aren't that many women leaders, but power. Look at the way we're dealing with power. Everything is being look at religious groups, look at medicine. Like look everything at all,
0: is falling. Uh,
1: everything is evolving because what we we have is no longer what's going to take us to the next world. It's time for us to open up and really understand that our connection to new ideas, to new people, to new things, to people who see the world differently, is what's going to bring us unity. If you look at a mosaic, very rarely are all the pieces flushed up against one another. Sometimes it's just one corner to another, meaning most of what this piece believes and most of what this piece believes, the other doesn't believe. But it's just the very smallest of connection that makes the mosaic remain whole, that keeps the mosaic intact. That's the world we need to learn to live in, the world where we find what connects us rather than what separates us. And
0: what what would you say connects everybody? And what would you say that one thing is that we can all find that common ground in?
1: Um, I I believe that behind everything is love. So do I. Right? And yet in order to find that, I think the reason we don't see that is because we're too afraid to listen to other people. The, the practice that I want to initiate in this world to bring love is the practice of listening
0: you you really inspired me to shut my mouth more and change people's lives that way because I'm realizing you know I do try to you know when I'm helping people I, I a lot of the times I'm like oh the best way to help them is tell them what they need to do or tell them what they need to you know and now it's you know just want to listen to him because a lot of the times people know what to do
1: think of the man on the bridge think of the homeless guy that the person just sat with for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. think of how much i'm speaking here and how much i just want to listen to your heart Mine is. man
0: this has been a wonderful conversation so far and just me sitting here listening has been doing so much for me. Um, it truly has been. And what? Uh, just the last type of connection, I don't know if I got it. I got connection to ourselves, connection to
1: source, connection to purpose. What was the last one? Connection to others. There we go. Because it's only when we are connected to ourselves, when we know there's something bigger than ourselves, when we know the reason why we're here, that then we can make connections that are meaningful connections that really connect to others in ways that will change the quality of the world we live in.
0: Mm. Ah, so this is uh, such a beautiful conversation so far. And so if you had, you know, if you had just one last thing to say to the world, you know, one last thing, and you knew it was, your your you know your second mosaic it was going to be recorded people were going to listen to it and um you were leaving it behind what would that be
1: i would love to invite people to see a world that they never saw before i would invite people to slide everything that they think they are to the right because everything they think they are is blocking them from seeing what's right in front of them. And if you would just slide what you think, what you believe, what you think you see, what you think you hear, and just open yourself up to what is actually right in front of you. This world is a beautiful, benevolent, kind, generous, loving world. Everything we need is right in front of us. We just can't see it because we're in our own way. If we would just slide ourselves out of the way for just a few minutes and realize our only job here in this world is to get out of the way, open ourselves up, receive what's being given to us already, listen and love it's just that simple doesn't mean it's easy but it's just that simple everything we want is at our front door we just have to open the door
0: listen to him all right because he knows what he's saying man this has been a wonderful conversation and the fact that i still made the connection with you man it's 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 so awesome that I got a chance to connect with you and that I feel like I made a, you know, a connection that is going to carry on far past this episode and I just want to appreciate you for commenting on my post that made this possible and um I want to appreciate you for just taking the time out of your day to to um I mean by you speaking you're helping so many people listen because they're going to listen to this and um by them listening to this I can tell you that if it's I mean they're listening if they're listening to this podcast there's a the reason they listen to this podcast totally and um they're in this world this is definitely going to have an impact because it's having an impact on me and guys uh, one more time because I am so like I'm such an advocate for this book the mosaic is an absolutely wonderful book so where can they um where can they go ahead and if they want to connect with you where can they connect with you and where can they pick up the book
1: so they can connect with me I have two websites, danielbrucelevin.com and the other is themosaiconline.com and we'll put those in the show notes. Yes. The, the, you can get my book at either one of those places or you can get it at Amazon. It's available there, obviously. And if people want to take the next step, it's hard to do this stuff by yourself. I have three mentors and three coaches because my mind is so brilliant. I've run around all of the spaces Mm. thinking that I've gone into them, but I've never gone into them. I've run around them until I've had coaches and mentors that have said to me, hold it, let's slow down. Why are you running so quickly? Let's just go down inside. Mm. And it's painful to go down inside those places. And so you need to find somebody you trust to help take you into those places and help empty out some of the things that keep you from going there. So if people feel, they have to, they have to feel something. If they feel something in the conversation and they feel that there's something in the resonance of my voice or the words that I'm saying, or the quality of, of peace that's coming through to them, and they want somebody that they can trust, we'd have to have a conversation to see if you can trust me.
0: 100%.
1: But if you want to have that conversation, I'm more than open to it, not because I want to help you or change you, but just because I believe that all we need to do is hear what's in your way and have you see it and you'll slide it away on your own. And in the course of that, what you will receive will be so much more than you could ever imagine. It would be my honor to be there to hold that space for you
0: awesome well there you go you can also you can if you're ready to take the next step and you feel like it that he just laid the offer out there for you guys so again daniel thank you so much for taking the time out of your day for doing this man and um i just look forward to connecting with you soon and um you know just consistently because this has been a wonderful thing and um, i'm sure my listeners are you know just as impacted as much as i am so again thank you thank you very much brother
1: thank you brother